Welcome, everyone, to Kids A to Z with Dr. T. I am your host, Teresa Signorelli, and we are bringing you information about the five areas of child development. So that's physical, intellectual, social, emotional, emotional, and moral, so parents can empower their children to thrive. Well, today's brain and, I'm sorry, Brains and Toyland segment is called Floor Time Play, Fostering Intellectual, Motor, and Emotional Development. And we have Melanie Feller, who is a speech-language pathologist and a child development expert here to share some really great information with all of us. Now, in addition to being a speech-language pathologist um, and the owner of Alphabet Soup Speech Consultants, Melanie is a certified ICDL DIR floor time practitioner, and she is also the director of continuing education for the ICDL. And the ICDL is the Interdisciplinary Council on Development and Learning. So welcome, Melanie. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, Teresa. Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure. Oh, great. So why don't you just start? I did mention a little bit about who you are and what you do, but maybe you can tell us a little more. Certainly. Um, I'm an ASHA-certified bilingual speech pathologist. I provide speech therapy in English and in Spanish. Um, I'm also an ICDL-certified DIR floor time practitioner, and I'm the owner of Alphabet Soup Speech Consultants, which is a small private practice in northern New Jersey. And in addition to all that, I'm the director of continuing education for the ICDL, um, which is the governing body of DIR floor time. Okay, great. Um, why don't you give us a little definition of what DIR floor time is and um, maybe set the, set the stage for the audience because we're going to expand on that all later. Sure. So DIR stands for the Developmental Individual Difference Relationship-Based Model, and floor time is a part of that. So essentially it's a very comprehensive framework that looks at um, a way to assess your child and then develop a very comprehensive intervention program that's specifically individualized to your child's needs, um, taking into account their developmental levels and taking into account how they form relationships with others and how that relationship building can support their individual needs. Um, floor time is a way that we can practice DIR, and that's essentially what everyone kind of knows. And I think about floor time where you sit on the floor, you play with toys, you do things that are really geared towards the child. Um, and then also as a part of DIR, we want to consider the FEDCs, which are the Functional Emotional Developmental Capacities. And they are a very critical part of the DIR model in terms of helping the parents see where the child is developmentally. Are they at stage one, stage two? And it goes the basic levels are stage one through six, with the very basic levels being stage one through three, and I can talk about those more. Um, but that's essentially a good, good summary of DIR. It's just a great way to look at children and how they develop. Okay, so again, DIR means developmental. Um, that's the D. I is for individual difference, and R means that it's relationship-based. And you said that's a, a framework with, within which we use an approach called floor time that we're going to talk about in a minute and um, or a little bit more. And you had mentioned something else, the FEDCs. Um, I guess this is another part of the philosophy, and that stands for F being functional, E being emotional, D being developmental, and C for capacity. Okay, exactly. and that's, that's right? Okay. Yes. So this was created by um, a man called Stanley Greenspan. Um, and talk to us about him and his credentials and, and um, to give, I guess, some validity uh, to the approach. 
Certainly. So he was um, a, a world-renowned child psychiatrist, a really remarkable individual, um, and also the clinical professor of psychiatry, <clears throat> excuse me, behavioral science um, and pediatrics at George Washington University. Um, he created the DIR model in conjunction with another individual, um, and he also created the Interdisciplinary Council on Development and Learning, um, which is what, certify, what certifies individuals um, in the practice of DIR. So just a, a very remarkable man. He wrote um, many books on, on children, um, both typically developing and children with challenges, um, and has lots and lots of information to still offer to people. His, his videos are available, his books, et cetera, and I think um, people just continue to learn from his work. Yeah, which is wonderful. So um, just so the audience knows, what I've done on the Blog Talk Radio site and on the Kids A to Z site, which is kidsadoz.com, I have put the links to the Interdisciplinary Council on Development and Learning and also to Stanley Greenspan's uh, website, and you can find a lot of other information there. And, of course, I also have Melanie's website to Alphabet Soup Speech Consultants, and we'll, we'll talk about that more a little bit later too, but just so everybody knows, we have all that information already for you on the site. Um, all right, so let's move along. And... One of the things I always like to ask our guests is what questions they, they find parents often ask, perhaps maybe what they're surprised that parents don't know. Um, can we start there with, with, with what you've encountered? Absolutely. So I think a, a big thing is that a lot of um, parents and individuals hear floor time and they think, oh, that's for kids that have challenges. My child doesn't seem to have a challenge, so, so why do I need that? And how can floor time and, and, and the framework of DIR help me um, and my child? Is it really valid? Is it, is it useful for me if my child does not have any particular challenge? Um, another question. You mean might by, be, by challenge? You yeah. mean I'm sorry. By challenge, you mean some kind of developmental challenge, some delay or disorder, perhaps. Exactly. Yes. Perhaps they're not speaking enough. Um, perhaps they're not um, quite hitting their milestones where they might need to. And let's say the child doesn't have any of that. They're hitting all their milestones. They really seem to be thriving in terms of um, motor development, speech development. So why would this even be helpful for them? Um, Another question might be, is floor time just play? What makes it special? I, sometimes I think the reputation of floor time is, oh, you just sit on the floor and play. It's just another time to play with your child, and it certainly is, but it's a bit more remarkable than that, and I can, I can certainly get into more detail about that, but that's a big question, is floor time just about playing? Right, and, then, and I think that's... Oh, I was just going to chime in for a second, but that's really important yes. because I think it is nebulous. It is. It, we don't really understand when we're just looking at, at it as an outsider, perhaps. There is a lot more structure that's going on than, than one may seem, and, and that's some of the things we're going to highlight today so parents can see maybe more clearly, and really other professionals could see um, more clearly um, that there is a structure and a thought process that can be very helpful. Exactly. And perhaps one last question might be, how are those functional emotional developmental capacities, which sounds like a big term, so I tend to just use FEDC, um, how are those a great way to help me judge where my child is developmentally? So, for example, if perhaps um, a lot of parents might say, oh, well, my child has, is able to walk, is able to talk, is able to move, so they're doing great, they've hit all their milestones, and that certainly absolutely may be true. 
um, but I think the capacity to help us to look more in depth at how the child is developing emotionally and socially and to give us a better grasp on their overall development instead of just looking at individual milestones. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. okay, great. So ultimately the the big question you hear a lot is, you know, how can this help my child or why would it help my child? My child, child is already typically developing and is fine, but we're going to go in a little more in depth and, and show parents really how it can benefit any child. So um, maybe talk about... Um, the strategy, um, um, the strategy of playing and how that fosters development. Because as we were saying, it really is more than just simple play. And I know floor time really has a goal and a purpose. So maybe talk about some of those um, goals that foster um, fun- um, intellectual and emotional development and such. Absolutely. So when it's a big um purposes is that it can really help energize a child's interest in creativity and it really supports their individual needs and differences. So you can really tailor this to suit your particular child. It's not just how to play with any child, but how to play with your particular child and that can be really beneficial to support whatever needs and differences they might have, even if they're completely typically developing absolutely no speech concerns, etc. Right. Okay. All right. So I guess um, really being in tune to what interests them and going with that, maybe instead of pushing them to play something you think is more appropriate or that you enjoy? Exactly. So you can follow their lead, which is really helpful because it puts the onus on them to make decisions and to bring you into their world, and that's really helpful to encourage that relationship building and that engagement, um, which are really precursors, and, and they're really crucial for natural language development. So I think it helps build a connection um, to the parent, and all of that combined is, is really helpful for the child. Right. Um, and so, right, you talked about um, making that connection to the parent or perhaps another adult um, in their life, a grandparent, an aunt or an uncle, or I guess a teacher or a babysitter, that um, you're really supporting building relationships. And that will, especially uh, you and I are both speech-language pathologists, so us fostering good language development <laughs> would be in there. Um, so um, what else can you tell us about um, the goals and the purposes? Um, so another thing is that it really helps, as I said, to set the stage for those functional emotional capacities, specifically stages one, two, and three, which um, the first one is self-regulation, which sounds like a big term, but essentially it's just helping the child become aware of their own bodies and their own um, individual selves and be able to regulate themselves in their environment so they're not, for example, the child isn't always flying off the handle if they can't get something they want or the child isn't breaking down into tears because something happened that they weren't expecting. They're able to kind of regulate themselves in their environment, and they do that through that shared relationship building and engagement. They learn how to regulate themselves through others. So by engaging in floor time with the parent, caregiver, or loved one, it really gives them that support to understand, okay, how do I regulate? How do I, how do I be okay with whatever happens? Um, and obviously not every child is going to be okay all the time. We're not looking for that. But overall, we're looking for a way for the child to be able to not have that meltdown or that hysterical-ness every time a, a tiny, tiny thing happens. Right. Okay. And then you had mentioned um, engaging and relating? Yes. 
So that's the second capacity, and that's really important. We see that happen when the child is still an infant um, before the toddler stage, before 12 months. And again, that's engaging and relating with that caregiver or that adult. Can they have um, the beginnings of the back-and-forth communication? You see that in infants, like you smile, they smile. Um, You might tickle them. They might look at you kind of asking without using words for more tickles. So there's that ability to engage and ability to relate, which, again, is a precursor to really healthy development. And as you said, we're speech therapists, so it's a good precursor to natural language development because without that engagement and relating, there's really not such a purpose for language. So, again, these are just building on the foundations, which are are really important for any child. Right, and and the purpose of language and communication is to share wants and ideas and needs and such. Um, So that, that is important. Exactly. Maybe we can talk a, a little bit about another goal of floor time, which is really a goal of this show as well, is to empower parents, to empower caregivers to foster development in their children. Um, can you mention that a little bit? Sure. Um, it's it's a developmentally based philosophy, so it's really it's it's helping parents to to have the tools they need to support their child's unique development. It's not saying that someone else knows better. It's not saying that you need to go outside of yourself to find the right answer for your child. You have essentially all the tools as the parent or even the caregiver, um, whoever is involved in the child's life, frequently has what they need to support that child in becoming the healthiest, most developmentally sound, excuse me, developmentally sound individual um, they can be. It's a matter of using those tools um, appropriately and, and in the best way for the child. And I think the GIR philosophy um, really supports that. It says, okay, parent or caregiver, here's where you could help your child. Or if it's a child with a special need, these are the areas where there might be challenges. Here are other things you can do to support your child. So, again, it's about helping the parent, teaching the parent, having the parent understand that they are their child's best teacher. Right, right. And it's a tool... um, as we've mentioned, that clinicians and educators can use. Um, And I think I like to think beyond parents, and that's why I like to say caregivers, and think about who we could educate in regard to these philosophies and approaches, but grandparents, babysitters, nannies, et cetera. Um, I think that could all be very helpful. Um, Maybe we can can talk about some general strategies um, and how floor time meets children at their level, and, and such. Absolutely. Um, so as you just said so perfectly, floor time perfectly meets children at their level. Um, the TIR philosophy says that you're meeting the child's individual needs where they are at their specific developmental level. So we're, we're looking to support the child in moving up the developmental ladder, but the model starts from the bottom up. So we're not teaching if the child, for example, has some challenges in whatever area, we're not teaching those challenges first necessarily. We're teaching the precursor, the precursors to those challenges. So if a child perhaps couldn't, just as an example, if a child couldn't put together sentences, we're not necessarily going to teach the child to say sentences. We're going to support them in understanding the purpose of language and understanding how they might want to request things or identify things. But essentially it's a bottom-up model, which is it's very efficient. So if they're not using sentences, we might work with them on single words. 
Exactly. Um, and if they can't use single words, we might work on sounds. And if they can't work on sounds, we might work on gestures. But you, starting with that smaller unit that they can accomplish so that we can build up to the bigger ones. Exactly. Okay. So in terms of strategies for floor time, what about um, some general strategies to provide those strong and warm relationships between the adult and child? That is a big part of the program. That is a big part, and it's important that um, the adult understand that that relationship is the basis for everything. So the child wants to speak because of that relationship. The child wants to relate to another person. The child wants to have a social engagement. The child even wants to move or, or be active because of that engagement. And it's not so much to put the onus on the adult and say, well, you need to do this for the child. Rather, it's to put the onus on both of them and say we're going to build this really healthy, thriving relationship, and that will support the child in a natural, healthy development. Um, and that can take place through anything. You don't need specific toys to do this or specific activities. It's more about just natural daily life and perhaps having that moment of tickles or perhaps both looking at a tree at the same time if the child draws your attention to the tree. Whatever it is, you're just engaging the child and allowing them to engage you in that natural, warm relationship. Okay. Um, and is there any other general strategy we might talk about before we start um, a little more in-depth about the key principles for floor time? Um, I want to add, I guess, that I think it's important that we follow the child's lead. So we're going along with what they would like, especially when we're – obviously this doesn't work um, It maybe if they want to lead by eating ice cream for dinner. But we want to follow their lead during play and allow them to kind of take the reins because that feeling of, of control is, is important for a child to have. They don't have that control in really most areas of their life. So in play, it's important that they be able to lead the interaction. Um, but we also support them um, in initiating interactions. So essentially, we want to follow their lead, but we also want to support them and bring them to higher and higher levels. So we might change it up a little bit. We're following their lead, but oh, let's do this instead with the character. So we're playing with the same characters, but we're doing a little bit of a different spin on it. Um, we just the, the main thing is to keep them in a shared world that's very rich in engagement and relating. So however you do that, the important thing is engagement and relating. Right, and so we can, we can manipulate the environment a little, um, perhaps use the same characters in a different room or the same room but different toys. Um, so you're providing a context of pre-selected toys, perhaps, um, but letting them explore and initiate the actions with them, and then and then you follow that lead. Is that what you mean? Yes, that's exactly it. Okay, super. So let's let's talk a little bit more about those the key principles of floor time. I understand there are three key principles that we should keep in mind. Yes. So what are those? <laughs> Okay. So, and the principles, you know, can change a little bit in terms of, of wording or or how you look at them. There's always important things to look at. Um, so we want to remember to support the child where he is or she is developmentally. And that means not having expectations that are much too high for that child, nor having expectations that are too low for that child. We want to think about where the child is and support them right there at that level and gently encourage them to move up the ladder of development. Um, that's really important. Okay. Um, and so what else is there? 
We also want to individualize our expectations, which I, I kind of just touched on, and activities to that child. So again, keeping in mind where they are developmentally, we want to individualize our expectations and understand that um, we're only expecting things of that particular child and how can we tailor our expectations to where that child is developmentally. All right, So, and that's pretty much the first principle of following the child's lead? Yes. And then there's, um, I understand, to challenge their creativity and their spontaneity. Yes. Um, We want to challenge them. Again, we want to allow them to lead um, and follow their lead, but we also want to um, challenge them to move up that developmental ladder, as you so so nicely stated. Maybe take those characters that they're playing with, put them in another room, um, make a character fall down or something something unexpected, just to challenge them um, and really support that 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 change, that that developmental movement up the ladder, um, and again that relationship building. Okay, so we are following their lead, we are challenging their creativity and spontaneity, and then as I understand it, the third aspect is to expand on their interactions, and can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, so, as, and this all kind of ties in, so sometimes if it sounds like it's kind of repetitious, it's, it sort of is in just that everything complements itself really well, so you want to think about how all of the pieces fit together really nicely and they all kind of overlap. Um, essentially, you, you want to expand on those interactions, like I said, so not just following their lead, but how can you also bring them up the ladder by using, as you said, different senses? Um, can we get some motor play into it? Can we move around? Again, let's just use those characters in, as an example. Um, maybe the characters are running away in the, in the living room. Can we run after them? Um, can we... Can we um, try to reach for them if they're on the counter? So getting that motor physical um, aspect in. And can we have emotions in it? Um, Is the character sad? How will we comfort that character? Is the character happy? Well, why is he happy? Can we talk about the emotions surrounding the character? So again, just to follow the lead, but also always try to expand on what's happening. Right, and I think... um Daily life provides so much information or maybe it's such a good resource for ideas. So um, maybe replicating, and we're talking about characters, and I guess by that we really mean uh, maybe action figures or dolls. And um, having that doll um, eat and drink and get ready for the day or brush their teeth or go to the doctor um, and you can move about the house physically and climb under things and over things, um, and perhaps they're afraid going to the doctor. Um, you can talk about those emotions and, and comfort them or comfort the doll as you might comfort the child, um, things of that nature perhaps, yes? Yes, exactly. And it's a lot of times, just as you said, it's much easier to comfort the doll than for the child to figure out how to comfort himself. So it's a great way to work on challenging situations. If if you know your child is really afraid of the doctor, perhaps the doll can have to, the doll falls down, the doll has a little cut, maybe let's go to the doctor, quote, unquote, and then doll is a little scared. So how can your child comfort that doll? How can your child talk to the doll? Or if your child is unable to, can you both do it? Can you provide a model for your child to understand? This is how we can comfort the doll. You know, can you can you help mommy or daddy or or caregiver comfort the doll as well? Okay. So again, those three key principles are um, following the child's lead, challenging their creativity, and then expanding on on their interactions. 
Um, are there any other points for each of those that you'd like to bring up, or um, should we move on to um, another question? Um, I think we're okay to move on. I, I think you've touched on everything. Um, those, okay. those are certainly great, great tips. And I'm sorry, great tips. Oh. <laughs> great. So floor time works with a really wide range of ages and abilities. And can you talk about why that is or how that is? Sure. So when we look at um, the GIR model and, and floor time being a part of that, um, it's appropriate for, for any age, any level of ability, because we're looking at milestones, not as just isolated instances, but in a comprehensive manner that really looks at the emotional and functional capacities at that particular developmental level. So if your child is one, then they're functioning at some sort of emotional developmental capacity and some sort of developmental level. If your child is 15, they're also functioning at some level. So it doesn't matter where the child is, ability-wise, age-wise, the model works for anyone, um, and it works, it works for all children. So regardless of what's happening, you can find something within the model to, to, to support your child. Okay. So, um, and in terms of, we had mentioned milestones, and um, we've kind of described them, but by that we're, we're really meaning behaviors or certain skills that we expect children to acquire or master by a certain age. Um, and there's there's speech and language milestones. There's there's physical milestones like walking and running and jumping and skipping and emotional milestones. Um, I can't talk to that too much. I don't know if you can. That's that's something we're looking to bring onto the show about emotional, social, and emotional development milestones there. Um, but um, is there anything else? that we might talk about in terms of adapting floor time to children who aren't making those milestones? If a child is two but functioning maybe like a one-year-old, um, um, what might we do? So you might want to look at, well, where is the child breaking down? Is it that they don't have enough language yet? Is it that they're having um, really excessive tantruming or are they not yet walking? We want to look at exactly where the challenges are for that particular child. And so, for example, if the two-year-old isn't speaking enough, um, just to use speech as an example because we're both speech therapists, um, perhaps you might want to get some sound play going. Perhaps you might want to have um, a car and you could go beep-beep with the car, vroom-vroom, you know, make the little sounds associated with that car. Um, so you want to provide lots of sound play for that child that isn't yet speaking. And you want to, again, have that very natural back and forth tr interaction. So, uh, again, I know I reference like a tickle game, but that's a really great way because you can, for example, you're the caregiver, you're a trusted adult, you tickle the child, the child is so excited, and perhaps they look back at you with that gleam in their eye. And you say more, and the child might imitate more, they might not. But the idea is that you want to have that social and inter natural interaction back and forth, and that will encourage that child to eventually say more or to eventually say something. So we want to remember that that social-emotional foundation is really, really important for communication. Communication doesn't just happen in a bubble. Um, it needs to have like underlying supports under it. Right. So it's really important to look at where your child is developmentally relative to where they are age um, where they are chronologically, because it could also be the case you have a child who's fairly advanced. 
um, mm-hmm. and is outperforming their peers. Um, so look at where they are functionally rel- relative to or maybe instead of where they are chronologically. Mm-hmm. And that leads us into my next question, which regards maybe giving us a few examples of what might of what parents might do in a floor time activity with their children at different age ranges, um, maybe starting um, maybe in that birth to six-month age range, what would be appropriate? At that age, you want to really support that self-regulation, the ability for the child to, to soothe and start to understand the world around them. Um, it's important that when they're crying, when they're upset, you want to pick them up. You want to hug them and provide that comfort so they understand they're not alone in the world. They understand that an adult is caring and and engaging and wants to support them. Even at that young age, they, they understand that. They may not be able to express that, but they certainly understand that. Um, it's also a great t- time. Children start smiling between birth and six months. So you can have a little back-and-forth game of smiling. Perhaps you might smile at your baby. The baby will start to smile at you. You provide an even bigger smile, and they respond to that with a larger smile. And that's a great, great example of a very basic back-and-forth interaction that's so natural but so appropriate and really starts to build on those social, emotional, and and relationship-building skills. Okay, great. Um, what about what parents can do when their child's around 6 to 12 months? At that age, the child is already babbling. Hopefully, they're they're getting some sounds in, so it's great to have a back-and-forth kind of sound game. Perhaps you're in the grocery store. Um, your child might say, bah, or say some sound, and you could make that sound back to them, or you could add on to that sound. So your child says, bah, and you could say, bah, bah, and Make a big deal of this sort of baby language. Um, you're you're acknowledging what the baby is saying and you're building on to that. If your child says, bah, while they're kind of gesturing towards an apple, you might want to hold up the apple and say, oh, yes, an apple, ah, apple, and maybe give that apple to your child, let them hold it so they can have a tangible sense of what an apple is. Again, learning learning whatever it is through the environment, through that relationship. They're having this delicious, warm relationship with you, and how can you how can you support language building or motor skills or whatever skills through that through that wonderful relationship that you have with with your child or the child you're caring for? Right. Okay. So, and I guess if if they're approaching twelve months and kind of able to walk, you could put the apple in a place where they can't, where they can almost reach it, or just within their reach, and prompt them to go get it, which could then work on those motor, uh, those bigger motor skills. Exactly. Um, and from the, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. And just that's a perfect, perfect example because from that, then you can work on um, shared problem solving, which is actually the fourth. Um, functional, emotional, developmental capacity. And so if they can't reach that apple and you say, oh, could you get that for me? And they can't reach it yet, they might gesture to you and then you can, you guys can figure out together how to problem solve. Well, can they stretch? Can they climb on a chair? That doesn't work. Can you try? And you sort of accidentally fail at reaching the apple. Okay, well, what if you pick them up and they can reach it with you? And so you, you've got those great, um, they call them circles of communication. You have all this communication happening back and forth in a very natural, healthy, um, loving way. Yeah, I, I think um, one of the big things I found that parents don't realize is how much they can manipulate the environment to really challenge children. And I, we have a segment in an earlier segment of the show, a few maybe last month or so, that, that spoke to that. 
But, yeah, being able to strategically place things, put them in buckets or canisters that are a little hard to open, where they need to ask for help or problem solve, really can be great for developing um, language skills, problem-solving skills, um, even motor skills. So, yeah. So let's move on to the 12-month to maybe two-year age range. What would you What would you say there? That's a great time, as you just said, um, to, to sort of build on that problem solving. That's exactly such a great point. Put things in a container that might be just a little bit too challenging to open. Again, you don't want to push the child to the point of, of tears or real frustration because that kind of defeats the purpose of trying to communicate. Um, but a little bit of a challenge is wonderful. Um, also, you can have them help you around the house. Um, they see you sweeping the floor, they see the caregiver sweeping the floor, the cleaning person, perhaps they want to do that as well. So lots of of role-playing, lots of imitation and modeling. Even if the child isn't really doing anything productive, maybe they can have a little broom to sweep the floor with you, and that makes them feel so empowered and so important. So it's a great age to start really having that pretend play, that role-playing. Yeah. Okay. So what about some examples of floor time activities parents can do in that two- to three-year age range? That is a wonderful age to continue building on that pretend play. The child is starting to have a sense of other children and understanding emotions and feelings in other children. So, again, that would be a great time, perhaps, if the child is afraid of something to work on that through through a toy or through a doll um, or if the child, any emotion it, it can sometimes be helped by working with toys instead of directly addressing those emotions. That's a hard thing for for young children to work on. Um, Again, having... I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. (laughs) I I have so many ideas um, about this, but just um, really important to point out for the two- to three-year-olds, that that problem-solving really only gets more complex and more important. So how can you build on those, um, again, those circles of communication, those back-and-forth verbal interactions? they only continue to expand. So what can we do to make those problems a little bit more challenging? Can we have a container that absolutely can't be opened and have the child negotiate a little bit longer how to figure out how to open it with mom or dad or caregiver? So just making doing what you were doing before but making things a little bit more complex. Right. Okay. And so how about some ideas for four-time activities that parents can consider for that four- to five-year skill level? Again, having that more comprehensive pretend play um, by four to five years old, they really they have a good grasp of what's happening with other children in their little lives. Um, perhaps the they can have pretend play with dolls where one doll is going to work, the other doll uh, is going to school. How can you talk about the different social settings? Okay, let's take this doll to school. Um, okay, this doll is getting in her car to drive and talk about the different interactions that might happen during the day. Um, you can also start bringing in real-life things. I, perhaps the child is in kindergarten, um, so you can start talking with the child about real life. Oh, how was your day today? And the child might be able to relate that. And just having a more natural, um, I don't want to say adult conversation, but a more natural kind of real-life conversation, not just around play, but also around what's actually happening in the child's life. Right, right. It, it, as we're talking, it's making me think that um, play skills go through a developmental progression, too. That's something I'd love for us to have a show on one of these days. Carol Westby, um, the person in our field of speech-language pathology and audiology, or at least speech and language development, um, 
we look at her work. Again, that's Carol Westby, who's um, looked at the development of play and language skills because they really do develop in a um, fairly predictable parallel sequence. So just thank you for that reminder. We'll have to think about that for down the line because I think if parents maybe had a nice understanding of development, uh, play skills from a developmental perspective, it might help them choose activities and, uh, and use or employ the floor time technique perhaps uh, more effectively. So, exactly. Okay. I, I very much agree. Okay. Sorry, I just had a little epiphany there, so I, I made a note to myself. So let's let's talk about maybe um, a personal experience. I find that parents um, or people in general appreciate hearing about somebody else's experience. So is there a success story that you can talk to us about um, that you might have experienced with somebody with floor time? Yes, um, I have actually had many, I've seen many success stories, both as a practitioner and just um, watching other families um, involved in floor time that have later come to me and said, oh, we had this great experience with it. Um, but a specific family, they were having a, a difficult time um, getting speech in. So the, the, the child was developing, um, but they weren't, they were a perfectly typical child in every way, except that speech wasn't quite in yet. And the child was really having a difficult time um, understanding what the purpose of speech was. So they would gesture a lot. They would grunt. There was a lot of other things besides speech. There was communication happening. They were gesturing and grunting, but they weren't actually producing words. Um, So um, I came in and we started a program of floor time where we were playing on the floor. We were really following the child's lead, supporting the child at her developmental level, um, which was which was a bit challenged for for her age in terms of speech, and it was a wonderful experience. She really blossomed through the play. She began speaking more. She felt supported. She didn't feel like she just had to learn these words and 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 identify um, flashcards. It was real time. It was here is that doll. Here is that apple. Here is that car. Let's talk about it. Let's make the sounds associated with it. Um, and then I gave strategies to mom and dad that they could do at home. They also had a nanny, and she was also participating in the session. So it was a really comprehensive approach. Everyone was involved in the family, and the family had the tools they needed to work on these skills when I wasn't there, which is the great thing about floor time. You don't need a therapist to be there 24-7. It's something someone can come in, give you some strategies that may not be enough for your child, but many times that is enough. And you can follow through on those, which really, you know, you're, you're, the parent or the caregiver is the child's best teacher. So that really puts the power in the child, in, I'm sorry, the power in the parent's hands or the caregiver's hands, which is a great feeling. Yeah, it, 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 it has to be a really great feeling. So we've, we've, I think, made fairly clear that this is really a successful pr- approach for any child, for any child. So it really does have a particularly um, helpful um, factor for children who aren't developing on par, who might have special needs, maybe they're a little slow in their development, um, uh, or have some kind of syndrome or disorder. Maybe can you talk about, or maybe suggest to parents what they could do in these cases in regard to um, using the GIR floor time approach, or finding a practitioner, or what do they do? Absolutely. So if if you can, um, it's really optimal to find a certified DIR floor time practitioner and optimally someone who's certified by the ICDL um, because um, 
the ICDL is essentially the governing body around DIR floor time and was created by Dr. Greenspan. So the people coming out of the ICDL are really very well trained in Dr. Greenspan's um, way of thinking, in his philosophy. It's, it's very true to what Dr. Greenspan um, um, created. So if you can find an ICDL certified practitioner, that's great. And I know you have the link to the website um, mm-hmm. on on the page, so you can just go on there. There's a way to f- for the public to easily find a practitioner in their area. Um, and again, the great thing about TR is that we support the parent and family. So we want to share our knowledge. We want to learn from the family. We want them to learn from us. So everyone is helping the child. It's not a therapist-driven or practitioner-driven approach. It's about everyone coming together to help the child. Um, we want to remember a lot of families perhaps might not be able to afford or just not might have access to practitioners. So there's lots of great books by Dr. Greenspan. There's um, great information on the ICDL website um, that you can find. Um, and there's also the option sometimes for even remote consultations. Sometimes you can just speak to someone via Skype or on the phone just to get some tips or ideas. So there's lots of ways to really get support even if you can't quite have a practitioner in your home. Yeah, that those are really good points. Actually, the the books that Dr. Greenspan um, has written, and again, his website is listed on the show site for this episode, um, and the ICDL, which is the Interdisciplinary Council on Development and Learning, is also on the website, so that's readily available. And the idea of Skype, telepractice, and consulting is is really big. We have this wonderful technology, and um, that could be a nice way to consult with a certified DIR full-time practitioner and get uh, the help, um, um, get some help so you can empower yourself to empower your children. Um, yeah, really good points, really good points. So let's talk a little bit more about what you do, and you have a really wonderful practice called Alphabet Soup Speech Consultants. Maybe talk to the audience about what you offer and how parents uh, maybe could get in touch with you best if they were interested. Sure. Um, so I have um, Alphabet Soup is my practice. Um, I practice mainly in northern New Jersey, but we are expanding out to all of New Jersey. Um, and we um, provide speech and language therapy embedded within the DIR floor time approach, which again is appropriate in some way for all children. Um, we provide um, therapy to both um, children with delays and children who are typically developing that might demonstrate some weaknesses or some challenges that are just kind of a little questionable but not a major delay yet. So we really like to be preemptive and really support children to just keep progressing forward. We don't want to wait until there's a big problem and then address it if we can. Um, We offer traditional speech therapy to address articulation challenges like troubles with R's or trouble with S's, some really common, excuse me, troublesome sounds. Um, we offer speech therapy consultation, DIR floor time consultation, essentially where we're just coming in maybe once a month or once every two weeks. <clears throat> I'm so sorry <clears throat> to talk about um, how to, how the family can support the child so we're not doing direct therapy. Um, and we do social language support sessions. Um, we offer small classes and group presentations. And we do offer teletherapy. So um, sessions can be, can be had via Skype or whatever um, video sort of platform is appropriate, we can offer that as well if that's appropriate to the child's needs. Okay. Um, And as I mentioned, your website, um, Alphabet Soup Speech Consultants, is on the show's, uh, this episode's um, website, 
and on the kids a to z dot com website. But um, can they find your contact information there? Is that what would be best? Yes. So on the website alphabetsuitspeech dot com, there's a contact page, and there you can find my email address, my telephone number. You can also find connections to the social media websites, um, Twitter and Facebook, and you could also contact me through there as well if you prefer. So there's lots of ways um, to keep up with the practice and to get in touch with me. I welcome any questions or, or any 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 questions at all. All right. Great. So finally, um, we'd like to wrap up all of our shows by asking our guests their their favorite advice for parents, and we call it our five fabulous facts for families. So would you talk to us about what your favorite advice is for parents? I would be happy to. So um, five fabulous facts. I would say the first one is to really relate to your child, engage them, talk with them, no matter your child's age, an infant, an older child, a three-year-old, any child, really try to engage them, talk with them, put down that technology, try to shut your cell phone for a little while if you can. I know that's hard. But really try to engage the child, just the two of you um, or the three of you, wherever your family is structured, Um, But that's a really, really important thing without anything else getting in the way. Um, You also want to try to follow their lead in play as much as you can, even if even if it seems really silly, so your child is dressing up as some crazy character and you're thinking, what are they doing? But maybe you can also dress up as that crazy character or just follow them around or just applaud them as they perform for you. But really try to follow their lead, support them. Don't let them think that what they're doing is 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 not what you want to see. Just say, oh, that's so great. I'm so I'm so happy you're doing that. Or just support them where they are. Um, Number three, you want to keep in mind where they are developmentally. Keep in mind your expectations. Um, be sure you're not trying to expect really too much and then they constantly don't meet your expectations and then you can't understand why they're quote-unquote failing. You want to keep your expectations true to your child's developmental level. And this is challenging. You know, these, are, these are great facts, but these are not necessarily easy. So we don't want to be self-critical if we can't do all this. These are just some, some tips that you can keep in mind. Um, you want to try to individualize things to their interests and needs like we discussed. And most of all, you really want to have fun. It's a child and children should be children. So we, we want to try to get away from the teaching sometimes and from the, the rote learning and just have fun, engage, relate, and that will support the, the, most, the most learning and the most development. All right. <laughs> That's great. So relate to your child, follow their lead, remember where they are developmentally, individualize things to to fit their interests and their needs and and have fun right we don't always have to be teaching directly or overtly that just engaging and letting things happen organically or natural and in a fun way are really really helpful for overall development so those are great um fabulous facts for families and melanie i have to thank you so much for your time and your expertise this really was wonderful. I've I always learn so much through these shows, and I'm an arguable, I'm arguably a child development specialist. So um, <laughs> I, I I appreciate what we do here. I hope other people appreciate what we do here, and I do hope it's helpful. And since that's our goal is to be helpful for parents, we always want parents to give us feedback. You can do that anytime by emailing us at info at kidsa2z dot com. That's info at kidsa2z dot com. And again, that. Uh, web uh, address is also on the website and um, you can visit us anytime also to hear the shows and we have a smart toy store 
on the show where we have organized this store into developmental areas and we suggest toys and explain why we like them for different um, areas of development and suggest ideas that you might do with your children to foster great development. So, again, that's our smart toy store on KidsAtoZ.com. But I wanted to thank everybody for listening, and um, I guess we'll see you next week. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Oh, thanks, Melanie.